Everybody and welcome to Belong Church. We're so glad that you're here with us, and it just seems like this year is just zooming right by. If you can believe, we're in the middle of October, and of course, as a church, we've been reading through one of the Gospels every month. So we started this in August, and in August we read through the book of Matthew, and then last month in September we read through the book of Mark, and this being October, we are reading through the book of Luke. So if this is your first time joining us, we want to just tell you what's going on and kind of explain it. I really felt in my heart that there's so much of the time that we don't really understand what it is that God really did in Jesus, and the acts that he really did um, literally with um, walking on the earth. So oftentimes we have stories that have been told to us by somebody else who told stories, and we, we kind of miss it and get away from the original understanding of what Jesus did. So the, the uh, idea, the initiative, what I really felt in my heart was for us to try and read through each one of the books of the Bible and the gospel specifically in a month as many times as you can. So if you can w- read through it or I'm listening to it, you can go to our website and you can see which one I'm listening to and you can go to write iTunes and, and get that one. But listen to it as you're driving and, and it is really amazing when you just see the chronological and just the sequence and the continuity of it and how it just all comes together Whereas before, most messages that I would suggest you've heard has just one verse here and one verse there. And I try not to do that. I try to do a whole verse, a whole bunch of them, so we get the context of it. But very often times, we'll get one verse here and one verse there, and we'll miss what happened right above that or what happened right below that. And so seeing the continuity within the gospel, it's been amazing. And I, I've gained a lot of insight myself, and I hope you are too. So if you can't read it all in one day, that's fine. There's many times I don't as well. And hey, if you read through it in a week or if it takes you all month long, to read, anything you're doing that's more than what you would have done otherwise is a positive in my book. So as we're reading through the book of Luke... We're continuing in our messages then throughout this month will be from the stories that are happening in the book. Of course, we jump out for, um, you know, supporting other things. But here we go. In Luke chapter 6, we see an example. If you'll turn with me to chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus is leaving one scene, and now he's going to another. But it's fast-forwarding here because it says, on another Sabbath. So it's like, hey, it's not the last story we're talking about. There's been at least a week that's gone by here before we're now here. Look at this. He, Jesus, entered the synagogue and was teaching. Now, I, I want you to I want to paint the picture for you of how this all went out. I love this story in the Bible. In fact, this is one that I talk about quite a bit, actually. Um, Not my top one, but it's up there. It's probably in the top 10. While he was teaching, there was a man there whose right hand was withered. Now, I want you to put yourself in the Bible, like I always say, and just kind of put, put yourself in the context and just like try and like teleport in there, and you're just sitting there in the seat right next to him. And as he's sitting there, he's not as we see here, not bringing his, himself up to the front and saying, Jesus, I got this withered hand. He's just sitting there. And he had a withered hand. He had this thing in his life that had withered. And, 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 and most people that I've experienced that have something wrong on one of their hands, they, they usually try to keep it out of sight. So if it's your right hand and someone goes to shake your hand, they'll, they'll turn and grab you with their left hand. And they'll, they'll try to shake your hand this way. And, and they, they, they don't want to necessarily expose and say, hey, look how messed up this hand is. Or look how messed up this place in my life is. So I believe he's just sitting in church, just hanging out there, listening to the words of Jesus. I believe that if it was a different context, that he's standing in line for healing, we would see a different dialogue. But look at what it says. Jesus was there, and there was a man 
there his right hand was with him. The next verse. And the scribes and the Pharisees were watching him closely. So see, people knew what was going on, even though this man hadn't come up yet, even though he hasn't brought forth himself to say, hey, Jesus, I have this thing that I need you for. He's just hanging out. They're like, oh my gosh, okay, we're going to get Jesus now because look, I, I bet you Jesus sees that guy who's got a withered hand. or I bet you he's going to go after him and, oh, we'll get him now. They were looking at him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath so they might find a reason to accuse him. And, and I understand the, the legalities that they were walking in. And we looked at several weeks ago when we started this whole series of the Gospels and looking deep into it, of who the Pharisees were and who the Sadducees were. And if, if you miss that, you can go back to the, the very first message in the month of August. But we looked at they were not necessarily bad. Like I, I had this in, image in my own mind about them. But they were just trying to do the best with what they had. And here Jesus is rocking their boat. And, and they don't really know. I don't believe they were convinced he was the son of God. I, I don't believe they would really have done what they did to him had they have known. All they know is this young guy is coming up here and he's challenging everything. And they're getting upset. And they wanted a reason to discredit him. But look, verse 8, but he, Jesus, knew what they were thinking. I love how Jesus is up there teaching, and, and, and he hears, and he understands, and he sees what the, the wheels are turning in their mind. Now, have you ever been with somebody, and you can see the wheels turning in their mind, but we don't really know what they're saying, although my wife is convinced she knows what I'm thinking at any given moment of the time, and she's usually, of course, right. But you know, Jesus sees and knows what's going on in their mind. And, and so he said to the man with the withered hand. See, I believe the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders are the ones who kind of prompted this thing and pushed it up there because Jesus is just teaching. This guy's just sitting there. I believe it was them going, oh, we got him. We're going to get him now. They kind of prompted this and brought it to the front. Look at what it says. Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he said to the man with the weathered hand, get up and come forward. So again, I believe that this guy is sitting there, and when Jesus said, come forward, I don't believe he said they're going like this. I believe he probably kind of had his hand behind his back and kind of like, yes, sir, Jesus, what can I do for you? I'm here. I, I'm doing what you said. And then Jesus said, verse 9, to them, the religious leaders, I ask you, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath to save a life or to destroy it? And after he looking at them, verse 10, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Now, if you look at the context of this all, we see the after, we see what happened. But look at how the text and the context of it all, the guy was sitting there. Jesus read their minds. He calls the guy forward and just says, stretch out your hand. We don't see anywhere in this context that Jesus is like, hey, I'm here to heal your hand. This is a withered hand healing service or that thing in your life that may be like shriveled up that you don't like man i'm here to do no he shows up there teaching he reads their mind and he calls him forward and says, so stretch forth your hand and no most of us if god is asking for us we want to give him our best hand if you will we probably want to hide that that's withered very oftentimes, if there's a, a message that's really stirring you and your heart's pounding inside, and then there's an altar call for you to answer it, it's like, I don't want to go up there. I don't want to go and let anybody know that this is going on. Man, I, I want to keep this that's withered, revealed, away from everybody. I want to keep it concealed. And I believe that as he did this, he stretched forth because he knew that Jesus was there to heal. And he stretched forth his hand that was withered. And he did so, and his hand was restored. I believe that if he had stretched forth his good hand, he would have walked away with this hand still withered. 
But see, Jesus oftentimes says, hey, I'm here to give you something. Come forward. Hey, you need to talk to somebody. Are we going to show that which is withered? Or are we going to show what we think is our best and try and make everybody think the best of us? And as he did so, his hand was restored. Verse 11, and they themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus, which is so terrible that they were just so, they couldn't rejoice in something good happening for someone. And while uh, a withered hand is not the same as a eyes coming open where you've been blind or you're deaf or someone raised from the dead, if, if you've got something that's withered and you're not able to use that anymore and it gets restored, that's pretty significant to you. Continuing on, Luke 6, verse 12. It was at that time that he went off to the mountain to pray. So Jesus did this miracle. He finished teaching. He did this miracle. And then he takes off. This is verse 12. It's the very next verse. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. See, this was a turning point for Jesus, as we'll see in just a moment in the next verse. Jesus spent the whole night, and he was praying and having this conversation with God. And as we, as a church, have a mandate for the four things, to, to know God. And it's not just about meeting him. It isn't just about at that first time and you say that prayer and then you just go off over here. There, there's some times that you need to have communion with God. That you need to say, hey God, what is it you want me to do? What is it you want me to do with my life? How can I serve you? Father, show me. Even Jesus went and spent the whole night in prayer. Verse 13, and when day came, so when the sun's coming up, he came to his disciples. He called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also called apostles. You see, there wasn't just 12 with him. It was the large group that had been following, the people he'd called and said, hey, I want you to come follow me. Hey, I want you to come follow me. And all these others that had left everything and come and following Jesus. And Jesus was praying and interceding all night, I believe, asking God, hey, who are the 12 you want me to choose? Father, I pray that you give me wisdom as I'm making this decision because my ministry is launching officially with, with putting the next steps in there. And I, Please give me the right people. When day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12, whom he also called apostles. And it goes on in verse 14 through 16. It names who they are. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip over that. Now look at verse 17. Now Jesus came down with them. So he'd pulled the 12 up there and said, hey, okay, guys, this is what's going on. I'm choosing you guys, and I'm calling you the apostles, and you're going to now go with me, and you're going to be there with us. And, and they stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples. Notice that isn't the 12. That is, the, Jesus came down with them. Jesus came down with the 12. And then there was also this large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all of Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal regions. So, man, everybody's coming out. Why? Verse 18. That who had come to hear. Why do they come? Who had they come? They come to hear and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. See, look at this. Jesus came out and his healing ministry is going on. He went up the mountain. He prayed all night long. And he, when the sun's coming out, he called the 12 up there and says, Hey, you, John, I want you to come. Matthew, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. And then the 12 are up there. And then he's telling them this is what's going on. They go down there. And man, now just ministry happens again. So it's just right hitting your ground running, going right on in there. Look at verse 19. And all the people who are trying to touch him, for power was coming from him. He spent time with God, and Jesus had the gifts just flowing out of him. The power was just coming out of him and healing them all. And I believe that it's because of this and other stories like this that the woman says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I don't even have to get in the line. If I can just wiggle my way in there and just touch that garment. And of course, we looked at it a few weeks ago when she was healed because Jesus felt that power coming out from him. 
even just touching his garment. The next verse, verse 20, continuing on, and he turns his, his gaze towards his disciples, and he began to say, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Remember last week we talked about in Psalm 34, David says, this poor man cried to the Lord. He said, the humble will hear of it and, and be glad. And we looked at that word humble. It means the depressed, those who are needy in circumstances and poor. It, it means that you're down here in this place and you have nowhere else to look but up. And here Jesus is saying the same thing. Blessed are you when you have no place to look but up. Blessed are you when you're depressed and needy in the circumstances. Blessed are you when you're poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And I believe as he continues to lay this out, he is now starting to say, this is what the kingdom of God is about. Because he says, for yours is the kingdom. And he continues with verse 21. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you and are ostracized and ostracize you and exalt you and scorn you for my name's sake. Verse 23. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. Behold, your reward is great in heaven. He's like, man, it's not always going to go good for you. If you think that just following Jesus is going to be just your ticket and there's just going to be rose petals everywhere laid out before you and there's going to be angels singing all around you as you walk from day and you're just going to kind of float about six inches off the ground, hey, that ain't what it's about. It says, for in the same way, their fathers used to treat the prophets. But woe to you, verse 24, who are rich, for you're receiving, you're comforting full. Man, if you're just focusing on all of your... Um, intentions and your focus is just on what I can have right here and now and, and chasing after money. Hey, man, whoa, hey, hold on. That's the best it's going to be. You're, you're getting all your comfort in full. You're getting everything you're going to ever have right now. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Man, if you're just looking to yourself and not to the kingdom of God, this is the best it's ever going to be. Verse 26, woe to you when all, when all men speak well of you. When, when you're, you're doing nothing and you're just pleasing everybody around you and you're not taking any hard stands and you're just, you know, not ruffling any feathers... And everybody that you know, they just speak well of you. No one has says, man, I don't really like what he said. I mean, look at John the Baptist. He told Herod about what he thought about him with, you know, when he's asking, he's having conversations, and Herod got mad and put him in jail. He says, hey, man, you should be careful if people are all talking good about you. Because they used to all treat the false prophets the same way. Verse 27, and I broke it up a little bit. But I say to you who hear... And this is where I believe he starts rolling out what the kingdom of heaven is all truly about. I say to you, if you can hear, man, you're hearing my voice, but are you going to hear it down here? Are you going to get the, the changes that are going to have to come in your life? Because what I'm about to tell you isn't going to be what you normally would think. But I say, but I say, he's saying there's a change coming. Look at the rest of that verse. Love your enemies. Whoa, hold on, Jesus. Time out. Jesus, we're not supposed to love our enemies. They're our enemies. The definition of our enemy is the people we don't like. No, they're against us. Why would I love them? Why would I go out of my way? Why would I, uh, no, Jesus, that, that's completely contrary to the way I think. Do good to those who hate you. No, Jesus, uh, I should stay away from those people who hate me, and I should spend more time over here with the people who really like me. He goes, no, 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 no. Woe to you 
when all men speak well of you. Let me roll out the kingdom of heaven for you. The kingdom of God is this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Continuing on verse 28. Bless those who curse you. Really? Somebody gets in your face and they're cussing you out and they're putting all these things. You're going to have all these things. You know, I just hope you die. And, and they say all these bad things. You're like, hey, can I pray for you? Because I just want to pray God's blessings on you. That is not what I think of when I think of being a strong person. No, 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 Jesus, you got this all wrong. Uh, you've only been here for 30 years. We've been around for a long, long time, and this ain't how we do it here. Pray for those who mistreat you. No, 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 my boss that treats me bad and poorly, no, 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 I don't pray for him or her. No, 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 I'm looking for ways to let their, when they miss it, man, I'm going to shine the light on them. I'm going to get them fired. No, I want you to pray for those. Verse 29, and whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. So you're there, you're trying to be nice to somebody. And in the midst of being nice, they just wall off and just whack you upside the face. They hit you on your cheek with an open palm or a fist. They bam, they just lay into you. And what do you want to do? What is the, the carnal side of us? Like, you want some of me, Jack? I'm going to show you. I'm going to, and we're going to bow up our chest and we're going to come after you like this. And he goes, no, 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 no. I want you to turn the other cheek. I want you to be vulnerable in front of them that they can hit you again. Pastor Chris Hodges talks a funny story about this. And, and I, I think I've actually played that video several years ago. But he says that he was in college and, and he was talking to this guy in the maintenance department where his mom got him a job. And he says, you, so you're a Christian? He goes, I've got a, a way to prove that you're not a Christian. You don't really believe what the Bible says. He goes, well, I believe the I believe the Bible, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm sold out. He goes, man, he goes, I can prove to you right now you're not. He goes, no, I, I'm telling you. He goes, are you willing to take the test? And he says, yes, I am. He said that man just hauled off and just slapped him upside the face so hard, his face is stinging, and he can feel it. And he goes, now the Bible says, and he quoted the scripture, that you're supposed to turn the other cheek. He says, you're going to turn the other cheek? And Pastor Chris said, like, I didn't want to, but I did. And he goes, I'm thinking he's not going to do it, but he hauled off and hit me again hard. He's like, man, I don't, I don't know about this. He said, the guy told him no one had ever done that. Everybody just got mad and walked off. Now, I'm not suggesting that everybody should go around putting this to the test and that everybody should do that to us, but he's showing us a model of how we're to live. It's completely contrary how I think. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. So see, if someone's taking something from you, you're not just saying, no, give that back to me. I'm coming after you, and we're going to fight because you want my coat. No, no, no. If you need my coat so bad, you want my shirt too? Not in a smart way. Not in a sarcastic way. But a humble I want to serve you kind of way. Look at this. Verse 30. Give to everyone who asks of you. What? Give to everyone who asks of you. Hey, can you help me out and do this? I don't want to do that. Particularly because that's going to cost me something. What about if they take something from you? Don't demand it back. This one kind of stung me a little bit because a week ago, almost two weeks ago now, I went out on a limb and helped someone as a new client I was working with. And she told me, if you, you drive this trip with us and you wait, you know, we're going to pay you. And I said, I get paid this much money to wait. No problem, no problem. It'll only be half an hour. This is how much I charge. If I'm waiting, no, no, no problem. Waited for three hours. And said, I didn't know you said that. Oh, no, we're not paying you. And just yesterday, I sent a text. It's been a week. You haven't kept your word. And I read this. It's like, uh, she stole. Not literally, but figuratively and practically, 
And I turned her down three rides because I was waiting. And I'm like, ah, I'm not to demand that back. See, that's contrary to the way we think. Even me as a pastor, even uh, having been a Christian for all this time, man, my natural inclination is like, next time I see you, I'm going to have my hand down and go, you got my money? Is this the way I'm trying to tell you is? No. This is a different way we're going to live. Verse 31. And treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Well, that one's not so bad. I mean, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, okay? That's the golden rule. I've heard that all my life. That one's not so rough, right? I can, I can do that one. Because, you know, that basically makes me a good person. You know, I think everybody would agree that's a good thing to do. Look at this. It gets a little stingy now. Verse 32. For if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you just um, will mag, I'm trying to use my wife's words that she says magnate. If you are just being like a magnet and being just gravitating towards those people that just always talk good about you and prop you up, and that's the only people you do, hey, everybody does that. Verse 33, if you do good to the, only those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Even people far from God, even people who aren't in the kingdom of God, they'll do that. How is that showing that you're in the kingdom of God? How is that showing a life change has happened inside of you? Look at this, verse 34. If you lend to those whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? If you say, hey, I'm not going to give you money because I don't think you're going to pay me back. Oh, you, you pay back really good. Okay, I'll give you the money. Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. See, there's a difference. There's a shift that's going on in the way. Look at verse 35. But love your enemies. He's repeating it again. This is Jesus talking. Now put yourself in the Bible. Can you imagine sitting there? And he's talking all this stuff, and maybe you're taking notes. You're like, wait, what? What, what, what you talking about? Somebody slaps me. He's like, I got to turn my other cheek. What, what? Love my enemies? I didn't sign up for this. And maybe if you're watching this, you may be sitting here saying the same thing. I didn't sign up for this. Man, that makes me weak if I don't go and beat them down. Do good. And lend. He's saying, I'm not telling you not to lend to people. I'm just saying lend, expecting nothing in return. This is part of giving. This is part of, hey, I'm here to be here for you. Even if you can't do anything back for me. Huh, isn't that what God did for us? And your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. He's like, hey, that's going to identify you as a Christ follower, a son of the Most High. Wow. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. And if I was writing that, I probably would have put in parentheses, as I once was. As I struggle sometimes still being. Verse 36. Now he's tying it in because it's with the, the Heavenly Father. This is the example the Heavenly Father has given us. Be merciful just as your Heavenly Father is merciful. Who does that really affect, truthfully? If he's merciful to the entire world, how does that affect me? No, it's when he's merciful to me. He's like, hey, indirectly here, I'm kind of like starting to point the fingers like, hey, you remember all that mercy that God gave you? Just as your father is merciful and you've received that, you've been a partaker of that, you need to be that. Verse 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. And pardon, and you will be pardoned. Do not judge. The motto that we got for our church whenever we first were praying and believing for God, and I just really believe that this was the whole thing, is the, the church with no rules and no judging. 
It can't get any more black and white. Do not judge. We can't judge anybody. You see, Jesus is saying here, just the same way your father was to you, now this is the example of how you are to live. Do not judge. Do not condemn. But pardon. Look at this. It literally means those words in the Greek. Judge means to decide. He's saying, hey, do not decide what that person is. Don't judge them. Don't look at them and say, oh, you're, and put, fill in the blank. You're putting a decision on them. You're putting a label on them. It says, do not condemn them. Literally means to pass sentence. Like, oh, no, you're this, so then that means you're this. It makes me so angry when people will say, you're, and fill in the blank. I've got air quotes going on here in the air going, you're this, so you're going to hell. That's passing a sentence. Only God is the one who's going to say who's going to hell and who's going to heaven. Who am I? Who are you? To pass sentence. But he does say, pardon people, and that literally means set them free. Release them. And again, as we saw in the video last week from the, the Amber Geiger trial where the brother, as broken as he was, he set her free. Now, he can't pardon her from going to prison and the, paying the natural price in, in, our, in our society price for that, but he set her free inside. He gave her a release. He goes, man, I'm not wishing all these bad things happen to you. He, again, was showing the kingdom of God. Last week, we saw that Luke 4, 18 was the mission statement of Jesus. And one of those things is to set free See, the kingdom of God is about pardon. It's about releasing, setting free. In fact, the second thing of our core values is to find freedom. So number one is to know God and to have that relationship to meet him and then to get to know him better and better and every day for the rest of your life, getting to know him better. Number two is to find freedom. First of all, you find freedom for yourself. Then you give freedom. You set free. You release people. You don't hold on to everything. See, it's real easy for us to find freedom in our own lives and to be so happy and so thankful to God that, wow, man, I'm sleeping better. I'm, I'm, I'm having a better life. Everything's going well for me. But you over there, you still owe me. Let me see it. Give it to me. Now here, the next verse is one of the most, I believe, misunderstood and misconstrued and twisted scriptures that there is. But look, it's following in the same line. Look, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. See, but here's the thing that we see. We hear that about giving. Hey, if you'll just give to this church, man, God's going to give it back to you. And it's going to be just pouring into your lap. Good measure, press down. And is there a component to that? There absolutely is. You can't outgive God. But it's not talking about money. It's talking about how you're living with other people, how you're interacting with other people. Does that mean you shouldn't give to the church? No, I'm not saying that at all. Please do. You know, but it's, it's all about how we live our lives. The same way I give pardon. I don't judge. I don't c condemn you. I don't. All these things. The next one is give and it'll be given back to you. Hey, be a giver in everything. When somebody needs something, hey, you need my coat. Here, here's my coat. You need a shirt to go with it? You need some shoes? I can get some more shoes. How about socks? Can I take you to McDonald's to get you a meal? Do you need something? Then, man, it's just going to come back to you. See, in the world, they'll call that karma. Hey, man, you want to just throw it out there into the universe, and it's going to come back to you. No, it's the principles of God. Give, and it'll be given back to you. But look at this. For by your standard of measure, it will be returned to you. By your standard. See, it's not just talking about giving. It's the same of all the others. 
You can go ahead and make that big for the next screen. For your standard of measure in giving, in not judging, in not condemning, in pardoning, in turning the other cheek. Go through the whole list for it's the closing, it's the wrap-up of all of this. For by your standard of measure, hey, that's how it's going to come back to you. If you don't want to be judged, don't judge. Because by the same measure that you use, it's going to come back to you. So if you don't judge, then hey, man, you're not going to be judged. If you don't condemn, then hey, man, you're not going to be condemned. If you pardon, it's going to come back to you that way. It's the wrap-up. It's not talking about money. Is money a component? Of course. But it's not the Scripture about money. It's about your standard. What is your standard? See, you have two lives you can live. Are you going to live the world's standard? Or are you going to live God's standard? And I can't help myself. My favorite scripture in the entire Bible, particularly now as a pastor and giving messages, is John 10.10. Jesus says, hey, the thief has come only to steal, kill, and destroy. Hey, that's this measure over here. Is that the measure you want? Because the measure you give when you're going to get. He says, but I have come that you may have life and life to the full. And Jesus is like, hey, but this is the measure you also can have. But that one's going to cost you giving, not judging, not condemning, pardoning, turning the other cheek. And the list goes on and on. Doing good to those who come against you. Loving your enemies. So my question this morning is, which kingdom do you want to participate in? Which one do you want? Do you want the one that the, the enemies come to give you that's the world standard? That, man, you're just by default, you're going to get that. Or do you want this one you're going to have to work at? That you're going to have to go, oh, I got to turn my other cheek. It's still stinging on this side. Why I got to give this one? Why I got to be vulnerable? Which one? you want to participate in see these are action words they're not just words that you can just say fluffy oh isn't this nice? oh i'm a christian oh isn't that so beautiful let's play some music with some strings in the background it, no these are action these things cost me something See, this is the kingdom of God. It's the culture of the kingdom of God. And I broke it down for you here. Look, it means I'm going to love. I'm going to do good. I'm going to bless. I'm going to pray. I'm going to offer. I'm going to give. I'm going to treat others. And then if that wasn't enough, he repeats it again and continues on. Love, do good, lend, be merciful, don't judge. Do not condemn and, and pardon and give. Man, it's like, hey, man, this is all, this is the kingdom. You want to know what it's like to live over here, but I've come to give you life to the full. You want to know what life to the full is? It looks like this. In the same way that God has given this to you, this is what he has for you. He also expects you to do this to everybody else. Verse 39. And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can him? Can he? Or will they both fall in a pit? Hey, you can't go around not seeing or you're going to fall in a pit. How can you help somebody else or how can somebody help you unless they see what's going on? Continues on. A pupil is not above his teacher. But everyone, after he's fully trained, will be like his teacher. See, the whole purpose of what he's saying here is there's a greater place for you to go. But if you don't see it, you're going to be like the blind leading the blind. But if you can start learning and starting to change the culture of who you are and what you have as principles in your life, then you, after being fully trained, man, after you dig into this, and man, this is ouchies. I've already told you some of my ouchies listening as I read through these again. I will become like my teacher. But wait, who's the teacher? Who's teaching this? Jesus. See, the pupil will never be above the teacher. I'll never be above Jesus. You'll never be above Jesus. 
But after you've been fully trained, after you've really dug deep into these scriptures, and, and I'm suggesting that we need to read over this, and it's a good thing we're still reading this through the rest of this month and, and hearing this over and over again and reading this, go, God, man, that's do good to those who hurt me. Ugh. Turn the other cheek. Okay, I'm going to keep learning that. And after I fully got it, then I'm going to be like the teacher. I'm going to be like Jesus. Verse 41. Why do you look at that speck in your brother's eye? See, it's really easy to always see what's wrong in somebody else's life. But you don't notice the log that is in your own eye. Can I tell you, this isn't just Jesus trying to smack everybody over the head. Look, in the context, he's saying there's a different way to think. There's a different way to act. There's a different way to live. And it isn't just to go around pointing out what's wrong with everybody else, but it's to have this culture shift inside of you. Because how can you help anybody as long as you still got stuff messed up in you? Verse 42, or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take that speck out that's in your eye. See, I don't think that's being hypocritical, though, I mean, he says it's a hypocrite, but I'm not thinking he's trying to be hypocritical. I think he's just trying maybe to be helpful. Hey, I see there's something wrong. Let me help you with it. But you still got the same thing going on in your eye. When you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye, you hypocrite. Man, you missed it. But look at this. Jesus isn't just smacking us across the face with this. Look, there are action steps here. First, take the log out of your own eye. In other words, you're the blind leading the blind if you haven't got the stuff worked out in your own life. First, spend your initiative rereading the scripture, re-going through it and saying, God, man, this is a struggle for me. This is a challenge for me to do good to those who, who don't do good to me and who treat me poorly. God, eh. and once you go through all that stuff, once you've grown, and once you've reached that place of maturity, hey, then you'll be able to see clearly how to do it. See, I don't believe in this example Jesus likes saying, hey, you're a bad person because you're trying to say, hey, I see that log over there. I see that splinter. I see where you're missing it over here. Jesus says, no, you can clearly see to help other people when, once that is out of your own eye. Once I've dealt with me, I can help you. Once you've helped yourself through the Word of God, once you put yourself up against that mirror that is the Word of God, then you're better able to do that. Verse 43, For there's no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. Verse 44, For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from the briar bush. The good man, verse 45, out of the tr good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure. See, there's two worlds. See, I'm going to move from being an evil man to being a good man. By going from the world where I'm trying to, where everything around me is being robbed, killed, and destroyed, to this life to the full that Jesus says. He's telling me the kingdom of God, but it's going to cause something from me. And out of his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. See, every turn in our life involves change. Imagine. If you go to start a new job, or you go to a new city or a new country or a new state, you're meeting new friends, you're going, everything there is involves change. You go from elementary to junior high, you go from junior high to high school, you go from high school to college, you go from college, everything we got is change. There's new friends, there's new culture, there's new everything. In fact, the only thing that's constant in life is change. I can't say his name, but he's a Greek philosopher. But it's so true. The only constant we have in our life is change. There will always be change. You're like, hey, I don't like change. I really didn't sign up for this. Hey, that's what life is. It is the constant. You see, this is the kingdom of God. Jesus said in, in the disciples' prayer, your kingdom come. In other words, it's not here automatically. I've got to pull the kingdom of heaven down. But how do I do that? By changing me. 
says, your will be done. Because guess what? God's will is when they smack me on one face that I turn the other cheek. Yeah, that's his will. That ain't my will. But it requires Jesus saying, praying. Hey, God, they just smacked me. I know it says in Luke, turn the other cheek. I know it says that I'm supposed to do good to them, but I really just want to, okay, not my will be done, but yours. Huh, where have I heard that before? Jesus goes on to say, why do you call me Lord? Why do you give me this place of authority in your life and yet you don't do what I say? Don't we do that same thing? Don't we say, hey, I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll put the little fish on the back of my car. I'll put, uh, I'll, I'll wear a cross necklace. He's like, hey, but you're not doing anything I told you to do. Why do you say that you follow me? You don't do it. See, there's a protocol. There's a change once I'm going to follow into the kingdom of God. Once I identify that, that's when I start changing. When Church on the Rock came in to the church that was formerly Victory Christian Family Center, and I was there and I was part of that transition as I'm there, they came in and said, hey, this is how Church on the Rock does it. They weren't saying Victory did it wrong. They're just saying, hey, this is how we do it. This is our culture. This is how we do it. At Church on the Rock, this is how we handle this. Church of the Rock, this is how we do this. And, and this company culture shifted. And all of a sudden, we're having to change. We're having to acclimate to a new culture. And the same thing happens when we accept Christ. We must acclimate to the culture of the kingdom of God. It requires something of us. Acclimating. I've got to get used to, and I've got to change the way I am. And Jesus likes to say, hey, this is how you do it. If you will, please bow your heads with me. See, the kingdom begins with entering. It, becomes with the, it begins with a decision. Today you have the opportunity to leave the world's way and to begin to acclimate into the kingdom of God. Jesus described it as we looked at life to the full. It's this beautiful picture, but it doesn't happen overnight. In fact, it's a process, which also begins with a decision. You can have accepted Christ and not proceeded on to listen. Jesus said, why do you say you're a Christian? Why do you say you follow me and yet you don't do? Why are you not taking the action steps? Why aren't you taking the next steps that are going on? Today, I want to suggest to you, I want to challenge you, that the prayer is for all of us. It's for first-time decisions. It's for renewals coming back to God. You may find yourself far from God. It doesn't matter. And you, you, we all have decision points this morning. To follow, to listen, to follow through. I invite everyone, no matter when it is you're listening to this or watching this, to pray this prayer with me. With your heads bowed. Say, God in heaven, I want to know you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus for paying for my sins so I don't have to. Today I take this step to follow to love, to do good, to bless others, to pray for them, to offer, to give, to treat them. Lord, be merciful to me. Let me be lending. Lord, let me not judge people that I don't decide who they are. Lord, let me not condemn people to pass sentence on them. Lord, let me pardon. Let me set them free. Let me release them. And Lord, let me give of myself to others. I ask you to forgive me for making mistakes. And I choose your kingdom. 
I surrender my will and my everything to you. I ask you to lead me in your ways. And the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today, I give you my life. Father, I pray for everyone who prayed that prayer. Lord, as I challenge everyone to pray that prayer this morning, whether it's the first time accepting you and getting to know you, whether this was the introduction to you, or whether they've known you for many years. Lord, let us not be those people that you described. Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Why do you call me Lord and yet you're not following through? Lord, let us take on the kingdom of God that we see here in Luke. Let it change our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you this morning, if you, you prayed that for the first time, or you prayed that for another time, I encourage you to text the word NEXT to 469-289-1114, and you'll see it at the bottom of your screen. If you're listening on the podcast, you can just rewind that back the 10 seconds, and you can hear that again. We want to have communication with you, and that's our text communication line to be able to communicate back and forth with you. And if you want to be a part of the giving solution for Belong, you can simply, it's also going to be down at the bottom. There's two different ways you can do that. Number one, you can go to givetobelong.com, or you can text the word GIVE to 469-410-7788. And the text to give is certainly the simplest because once you have that set up, the first time it takes a couple, it asks you and verifies who you are and you get to put your, your banker card information in there. And then after that, all you have to do is say the amount you want to do and it automatically knows who you are by your phone number. And we just want to thank you for everyone who is a part of the financial solution that is our church. So if you will stand to your feet and we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I just thank you. This is a challenging message for me, and I hope it is for everyone else. The Lord, that we see the kingdom of God, and we rise to the challenge to acclimate. That there's change that's required inside of me to become more like you. And I'm not automatically going to get there, but it's a process. Lead me and guide me. And Lord, as we continue to listen and read through the book of Luke, Lord, that we're continuing to be molded into your image and move from the world's way into your way. Father, I give you all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.